0: This is part two of the interview that I did with Regeneration Canada. Again, I really have no excuse why it's taken me so long to get this part uploaded. But after listening to it before posting, it seems very apt right now after the New York Times article that was released about how agriculture is destroying the planet and is bad for climate change. And that just isn't true, that Maybe everything happens for a reason and I was meant to publish the second half at this time because it really does go against everything that was in that New York Times article. So please enjoy. Um so do you do you believe do you believe that uh, livestock is ruining the environment and is bad for climate change? Or do you believe that used correctly with regenerative agriculture practices, it's the opposite, it's great for climate change?
1: Yeah, a very good question. Uh, Integrating livestock is is one of the principles of regenerative agriculture, but in in order for it to be actually regenerating um, our soils and ecosystem, it needs to be done in a regenerative way. You know that avoids overgrazing, um, and where the outcomes of it are, you know, healthy, well-treated animals, and of course, you know, nutritious meat at the at the end. I think you know. I think we all know the environmental footprint of livestock production in our current food system. You know, both in terms of greenhouse gas emission and also in terms of land use and, and land use change. But that's why we really have to think, rethink our our. Uh, our food system you know from crop subsidies and insurance to you know changing and you know consumers dietary habits we need like a, a, you know everybody uses the word now a systemic change uh, for that so um livestock is a very 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 crucial part of our of our ecosystem and when it's done in a regenerative way it does improve soil health. Um, it does improve our, our, our food system by providing nutritious uh, food. But let's not forget that this is not the mainstream. Um, and, and, you know, we can go a lot about the statistics and, and, and how much of livestock production is, um, you know, um, is done in a very degrading, uh, way again, both to the soil, but also from converting, uh, you know, forest or grassland um, to either pasture or um, um, crops that is used for for livestock, um, you know, feedlot. Yeah. So um, it it's a very big question that I think there is an individual responsibility for everybody, both producers and consumer, to to rethink about it beyond. Is the cow the problem? Of course not. Um, is livestock the problem? Of course not. Uh, but with the current with the current um, uh, food system, um, I would say like my butcher, where I I I I, um, I uh, purchased my meat here in in Montreal, has this v- big sign at the entrance that says, uh, "Please eat less meat, just to choose it well." Um, so, while this is the message or not, there is a big thinking should go toward like, you know, how are we producing food? What is the actual price environmentally, but it, you know, also um, uh, uh, in terms of cost? Uh, what is the actual price of meat production? What kind of meat we are um, offering to uh, to the society? Um, and then make everybody, you know, take their own decision. I I don't personally think that. Going vegan or vegetarian uh, is the way, um, just because of how you know unrealistic it it could be, but also in terms of the actual impact that 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 could have. So I'd rather be part of a group that actually wants to change the whole uh, uh, food system in, in the country. Um, and maybe really choosing where I'm eating my meat, where I'm purchasing, what are the, the, the practices on on the ranch or in the farm, um, rather than just having it as, as a fight or as the war between veganism and, and, and livestock uh, production. So yeah. to summarize, um, it's, uh, it's really great when it's done regeneratively and it could be really bad um, um, if we continue the status quo, uh in our mainstream way of producing meat i could
0: not agree more (laughs) it's um they say it's the how not the cow it's how exactly yeah like I, i do believe we eat too much meat like it's um the whole the whole basis of being flexitarian is you still eat meat but you eat ethical food choices and you don't need it every meal of every day
1: and I think that the, whatever we choose to do to change that, we need to assure that people in the transition, um, so farmers and ranchers need to have the, a good livelihood um, um, during this, this period of transition. So if by a, a miracle, tomorrow we change our, how we subsidize in corn and soybean, for example, well, we need to take care of our farmers and ranchers before really uh, um, you know, uh, going away from, from that. And you know, it's a very historical, it's, it's not that old, but uh, lots of why we're, we're consuming too much feed comes from you know, how, how, um, how the, 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 the price is not really reflecting the reality and that comes from you know, governmental laws and bills and, 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 and subsidies. So again, whatever direction we choose to go, we cannot blame a rancher or, or a farmer. We need to bring more resources, maybe more investment uh, in, in, um, to support farmers and rancher toward this new better food system that we're hoping to go for.
0: And educate the end the end user, educate, the person who's eating and buying that that food, like they need to know where their food comes from and the consequences of their of their cho- choices.
1: Exactly, and you know, we, we also need to be careful not putting burden, or let's say, putting burden equally <laughs> to everybody. So to the government, to the industry, to the big corporation, to farmers and to consumers, so pretty much everybody in the cycle should be asking them the right question, uh, asking themselves the the right questions and and assuming the the personal and individual responsibility for each of us um, to to get away or to avoid the catastrophic um, climate change crisis in the future for, for, for our next generation.
0: So kind of leading on from that, what in your with your knowledge and experience where do you place monocrops in that or don't you or how would you deal with monocrops
1: i i think monocrop or monoculture is um it's um it's very dangerous it's um it's um I'm I'm, I'm doing my best to avoid the word, the word, the pandemic, but it's, it's a very dangerous (laughs) um, because we want, you know, one or maybe a few culture. We want one or a few language, one crop, one revenue resource, and, and, and maybe it has its benefit, or at least this is what, that's what we thought. But in terms of soil health, it's very simple. We, we are what we eat and we eat our soils. So we need above ground and below ground biodiversity and they go hand in hand. So microbial diversity in, enriches our soil and have a huge impact on not only plant health, but also yield and nutrient cycles. And, and above ground biodiversity plays a role in determining what, act, what organism live in, in our soil by you know, determining the amount of carbon allocated to the root system and the rhizosphere, but also what kind of fruit exudates uh, these plants are, or are being, you know, related in, uh, in, 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 the soil. Um, and mono, monoculture or actually is, you know, is, it could be everywhere and also could be avoided all, altogether. You know, you can have, um, you can have a rotation of, of, of you know, corn and soybean, bean, but have a uh, 12 different species of cover crop or permanent cover crop or, um, um, and and you can have you know you can have a, a ranch where you you overgraze and not really take care of plant uh, diversity. Um, you can also have a farm where relying on one crop, um, let's say oilseed or, or 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 a grain. But also you can think of like how can we diversify um, our revenue? Our, our, our yeah our. our uh, revenue sources. Um, so it, it, it's not we're, we're not going to solve this problem today. But this is like a systemic change in our way of seeing our ecosystem that I am very optimistic. Um, when I say, you know, I'm, we've, we've, we've witnessed lots of change on this. Um, y- you know, the fact that, you know, all farmers want to see their farm really neat and really clean. It's still true sometimes, but also there is lots of pioneers um, out there who really think about farming as a a biodiversity um, design operation uh, uh, more than, you know, exploring resources to produce food.
0: Mm. It's almost like just scratching the surface that you know, or somebody knows they want to start regenerative agriculture because they want to really increase their soil health and then you start looking into it, it can get really overwhelming when you start to take into account that it's not just the soil health, it's educating the end user, it's educating the farmer, it's um, looking at the climate change. Um, it's, it just, it kind of gets snowballs and you start feeling o- overwhelmed. I think people just have to bring it all back and take it one step at a time, because it is a journey.
1: And and maybe uh, a very important part that um, we need not like not to forget, um, especially in you know in the context of what's been what we've been um, we've been discovering um, and and uh, literally in, in in indigenous community, you know, regenerative agriculture have been has been practiced for 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 thousands of years. And while we're thinking about our soil health and animal welfare and worker welfare, we need to educate ourselves and our communities about the real history of this land. Um, because we can't really move into a brighter future without understanding um, our past and, and 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 going from there, learning from indigenous community how to leave the land better than you found it for at least the seven generation this is a huge question this is like i think if everybody asks themselves about their legacy like will i leave a bliss or a burden to the next generation and and if the answer is what that is not what you're looking for then there is a change that that need to happen um and, and this is how i would you know this is how always, um, you know, answer the question like, oh, what, what, how should I start? Like, I, I, I can't tell you, um, but um, I would ask myself this three question: How is my business going? How are my soils? And what I'm leaving? What is the legacy that I'm leaving behind me? And if if you're not liking your answer, then it's time to change something. And you know, I'll start by, as 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 we've mentioned earlier, like listing. Where my uh, my resources are and how much risk I can take in the first year, um, and then go from there, and and really ask ask for help because this is a big part, and we're not really good at asking um, for help. So yeah, I just wanted to 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 mention that because while the the movement is is um, gaining lots of visibility and lots of um, yeah lots of momentum around it. Um, the 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 philosophy of regenerating um is something that indigenous community around the world but also here in 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 our country um have been taking care of for four thousand before before um european and other immigrant came after
0: mm, i mean yeah it's not a new concept it's a new label for a practice that's been going on for thousands and thousands of years so, yeah it's not new like if you exactly. I, i'm not from here i'm i'm from scotland and i'm not even from a farming background <laughs> though we, a lot of our friends when i was growing up it was a huge farming community but i don't remember like i don't ever remember seeing a feedlot like they, they, they your cows were in a field year round and your sheep were out year round and there wasn't there wasn't feedlots where everyone got fed grains or there was just farming and they did crop rotations and there wasn't any monocultures back then and this isn't that long ago i'm not that old <laughs> 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 like it's, yeah things have changed like in the last maybe it's different in the united states and northern america because it's such a huge landmass with such a huge population that you that they've had to evolve but maybe they've evolved at a at the wrong tangent and it's time to take a step back and look at our roots and go back to how things were done before and the label and in inverted question uh, inverted commas that people have put on that is regenerative agriculture
1: yeah and and you know again um converting all uh, uh livestock production to, to to grazing would actually not be possible um within the current system because again we know that um Uh, pasture and grazing, um, you know, needs more land. So if we want to keep up with the same amount of meat that we're producing today, um, um, converting you know, all the, the, the livestock to, to, to grazing would, would mean lots of land use change and, and, and ecosystem destruction. And maybe it's different here than in, in the US and in some country in, in, in Africa, where I come from, it means a different thing, this land use change. So that's why it's a very important that while regenerative grazing is, is, is really regenerating the land and, and the ecosystem, there is a change that is needed in, in our food system. And let's be frank about it, we need to produce less meat, but better quality and more regenerative methods. For
0: sure, agreed, for sure. So I know you, <laughs> you kind of touched that you don't like answering this question, but I know that I'm gonna get asked that if a farmer came to you, a ranter came to you and said, okay, I really want to start, I've been reading up, I want to give regenerative agriculture a go, what would be your advice? Like what would be their first step? And I know it would be different ranch to ranch or modality to modality, like a cattle farmer or a grain farmer. But if you can generalize, what would a person's first step be?
1: Um, I think, yeah, as a, you know, I, I think the first step is to really Again, asking the 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 right questions, um, but then I would go and um, list all the resources that I already have on the land, on the farm, on the ranch. That just make a list of this, and um, the, the 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 first next sorry the next the next step um, would be to determine um, if I want to keep feeding my family and myself, but th- there is maybe a room for improvement, how much, how much of a risk I am, am I, am I ready to take this year? And I'm talking about risk management because it's a really huge problem. Um, it, Regenerative agriculture is a journey, so we need to start very small. Um, if I was on a, a twelve hundred acre farm, I would start with the first ten acre, in, in incorporating you know cover crop or or noodle or less uh, uh, synthetic fertilizer or whatever practices that were 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 trying to uh, to apply. I would just start with with a portion with which I would always be comfortable that by the end of the day, I can, st- I can, I can still feed my family and make a living off, off my job. So people and everybody tend to jump into, you know, big, bold, ambitious goals, which, which we need if you're able to take this risk. Um, so start very small, and then the second step would be look at your, in your region, in your, in your county, and maybe in your, you know, province, who is doing that thing that you want to try, and really get in touch. And this is why our approach of a multi-stakeholder uh, uh, collaborative approach, where in within our members, I'm sure everybody will find someone in their, uh, in their, in their, in their neighborhood, in their, um, in their county um, that could. Inspire or be inspired by uh, uh uh our former our former members so it's really to seek for is to seek for for help um and and seek for you know more 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 education and and uh, and going and visiting some uh, other farms and so try this for for a year and see well where where i am at can i increase the acreage or can i divide my ranch in more than two plots and maybe start rotating on four plots in a state of two. Um, so that would be, you know, I'm not in a place to give advice to any farmer or rancher because I didn't farm here. I farm it in where I come from, where I was born in, in Egypt. But that would be the first thinking before even taking a step further is to determine what are the resources that I already have? What is the first baby step that I can take Without compromising the livelihood uh, of my farm and 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 the quality of life uh, for me and for my family, my workers and um, and my my the community that I'm serving, especially in uh, in a, in a, in a ranch like you where you are right now, because um, I I'm sure that this heat wave um, affected you a lot. Um, I you know in terms of you know. F- yeah uh, keeping your your produce and you're responsible you're delivering to people who count on you so this also needs to be taken into account when when transition but then think about transitioning that could take maybe three to five years depending again on your resources um in your knowledge on your soil type on your you know climate condition and 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 you know, again, verify, evaluate, reassess, and take a, a, a bolder uh, step next time. I think that would be the, the roadmap I would have.
0: So start small, learn what works for your your soil organics and your agriculture, and then slowly expand.
1: Exactly, that's exactly, that's exactly it.
0: So um, something that just popped in into my head just now, so if you if if I was a farmer who had religiously put synthetic nitrogen on and synthetic fertilizers onto my fields and I've done this every year has there been a study done that if I just stop that how long does it take for my soils to reactivate like how long how long to get them um, working again in an organic fashion not organic as in organically certified but organic as in natural as in using natural um solutions like your molasses solution or like how long would it take to go from 100 percent chemical synthetic to get my soils working as they should i don't
1: i don't think we um if, if i've been using synthetic fertilizer and nitrogen fertilizer for years and years and years, especially with um, the, the excessive um, usage that we've been um, doing um, and following you know, our, our uh, maybe agrologist advices, um, we cannot just stop. Um, we need to first think about nutrient cycles in terms of uh, we need how mu- we know how much nitrogen uh, a plant need approximately. Um, so if I'm if I'm stopping um, or if I'm ceasing uh, 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 nitrogen fertilizer, I we need to have something else. And even here, um, when we keep feeding our soil with synthetic fertilizers, there's lots of lots of dynamics that it change uh, or disappear or recreated for for the soil to be able to uh, adapt. Uh, with with this new reality uh, of having to deal with synthetic fertilizers, so um, if today I decide that I'm gonna go more uh, organic, as in non um, synthetic uh, fertilizer, we need to give time to our soil and to the ecosystem and our soil to again to change gear and readapt to this new reality, and that takes time per se. So I need to expect loss in 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 yield and, and harvest um with with actually with with any change um because we're dealing with a living organisms and it's not a machine it's not like i'll just replace this by the same amount of units of nitrogen and uh, expecting the soil to behave in the same way so um i would never give this advice it's just to stop everything and 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 unless Unless you have tried it on a small uh, on a smaller scale, uh, where you put you know cover crops um, um, uh, and and you saw that in your specific case it, you actually didn't need to add uh, synthetic fertilizer, then maybe you can scale it up for the whole farm and range uh, or range. But if you haven't, um, then I'll I'll start gradually.
0: Mm. It's just, it's not something that we've ever experimented with. I was wondering whether there was a, a table or uh, an experiment already out there where they had some, some numbers, but we were lucky I, in that when we moved here, nothing had been done. So whatever we were doing was better than that had been done for the last 50 years. So our soils were just left to the environment and to nature until we came and started adding cows and different solutions.
1: And, and this is where exactly, like, this is where, um, you know, local and regional lo- knowledge are really, really important because there are lots of scientific papers out there that gives you these figures, um, you know, what to expect when you transition from A to B. But unless this is done in your specific region using the same resources, it's it's a never one recipe fits all, and even if your neighbor um, did it and it worked, it doesn't mean that we need to that it will it will work um, on your on your farm. Um, and this is where like a farmer is also a scientist, is also a researcher, and above all is a is a good observer. Um, so there are there are numbers out there. Um, there's lots of scientific papers um but we need to take this with lots of you know grain of salt um because it depends in so much biotic and abiotic factors uh you know from climate to soil type um you know to water uh, uh, infiltration you know lots of factors that we need to take into account um so yeah, it's it's never some e- easy answers, but I guess the answer is to try on a small scale, observe, see what the science are saying at, in, in, and then adapt it to your own reality.
0: Mm. So don't be scared to try, really. Don't be scared to try, start small and grow from there.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: Awesome. Um, I think I've probably monopolized enough of your time. <laughs> um, thank you so much. Um. I'd love to, so I'll probably get to this later on today when it's not so hot and edit it and try and have it uploaded tomorrow. Um, please share, <laughs> add it to your Instagram and Facebook and I'll share and um, I would love to revisit this perhaps for, for round two in um, maybe a couple of months.
1: Yeah, thank you very much, Amy, for having me and for reaching out to Argentine Canada. I think I I'd like to take maybe a moment um, to, to invite everybody to, just to go on originationalcanada.org. This is where you can learn about our membership, our activities. We also had launched this, um, the, the 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 map of regenerative farms in Canada. And this is a really useful and powerful tool for those who won't start and doesn't really know where to start, is to look on the map and see who's in, in, in my region is doing that thing that I want to try. And you'll get all their information, all their observation, and you can just you just contact them. Um, so again, RegenerationCanada.org is, is where you should go.
0: <laughs> Excellent. I will remember to make sure that I keep that in the edit. <laughs> Better late than never. I really hope you enjoyed the, uh, the rest of the Regeneration Canada interview. I really enjoyed listening to it again and um, it just makes me even more excited about this journey we're on. I really do encourage you to get in touch with us or get in touch with Regeneration Canada if you are looking to embark on your own regenerative journey.